Salam, Ramadan Mubarak, and welcome to another TMV podcast brought to you by the Muslim Vibe. As always, I'm your host, Salim Qasim. Um, so I'm I'm actually recording this on day I've lost count, but day seven or day eight of Ramadan. Um, and the topic of this podcast is uh, the holy month of Ramadan, how we can make the most of it from a spiritual perspective. And, and we're joined by um, one of our um, favorites on the podcast, Sheikh Ali Hussein Datu. Um, he's been on various other episodes. We did one last Ramadan um, in preparation for the month. We, the last time we spoke was uh, about the Holy Prophet a few months ago. Um, and we've done various others. We looked at Surah Yusuf as well in the past. And I mean, ch- check out the other episodes we've done. Maybe we'll put the link in the description. Um, but he, he kindly agreed to, to join me to have a conversation about um, the holy month of Ramadan and how we can maximize and benefit spiritually and, and try and how we can practically get closer to Allah and get closer to the Holy Quran in this month. Um, and it, we, we had a, a well, we, we have a very interesting conversation about that. Um, we had quite a few issues actually with recording i kept messing up my intro um we had people walking in um into my room and so then we had to kind of stop and start again his laptop battery died in between but we kind of soldiered on and soldiered through um and it was a uh, very enjoyable and i think very um enlightening conversation i want to say um I think for, for me, at least just my own personal reflection at the beginning of this generally, when it comes to the, the holy month of Ramadan, I feel like the, the most important thing is to find things practically for yourself that you can do that works. Um, it's not about trying to achieve everything and, and trying to compare notes with anyone else, but it's about stepping up your game as an individual in terms of like what you're doing. You know, if it's just the same as every other month, but you're going hungry, then obviously you're doing something wrong. I feel anyway. Um, and and if we want to try and maximize and benefit, then try and try and do something. You know, whether it's reading some more Quran or um, some du'a or extra salah that you're doing, just like like make sure that you're trying to do what's what's um, reasonable for yourself to do without kind of burning yourself out or anything like that. Um, but yeah, I I'm, want to keep this relatively brief. I think just before we start, um, we have our launch good campaign. We're coming up to about £5,000, alhamdulillah, that we've raised for Syrian refugees um, and internally displaced families in Syria. Um, the link will be in the description. Please, please, please do donate, especially in the holy month of Ramadan. It's a month of, of doing good deeds and a month of giving and, and charity, as you know has such a sort of front and center place when it comes to our religion um so please do give generously um would really mean a lot to me personally having been out and seen the work that we're fundraising for um and having met families who are the beneficiaries of the the food packs and the hygiene kits um and and the various other bits that your money will be going towards um providing for these families um, so again, the link in, is in the description. Please, please do jo- donate generously. Um, and yeah, that's it. I think uh, without further ado, here is my conversation with Sheikh Ali Hussein Datu. Salam, Sheikh. Salam, alaikum, salam. How are you? 
I'm good, thank you. Um, thank you for joining us again on the podcast. You're 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 a veteran now, so you know how this works. Um, we barely need an introduction for you to our audience. I think remind me was the last podcast we did was it about the Prophet Muhammad around uh, Milad time? Is that correct? I believe so. Yeah, I remember that one. Um, that was back in the day when when we could meet face to face and things were normal. But you know, here we are. Um, I want to start by commending you on on the background of this video that you've got going on. You went for like the the Sheikh in Ramadan on lockdown type aesthetic, very very original. Seeing that I know we will speak the absolute truth in this holy month, could you please remind the viewers whether or not you asked me to sit here or not? <laughs> so you sat up there, and I told you it was very cliche. So then you moved to a horrendous background, and I asked you to move back. But I did tell you, in any case, seeing as it's the holy month and absolute truth and whatever, that I did tell you I was going to mock you for it. And so we can now move on with the actual conversation, Is if it? you're okay with that. Sometimes we become extra careful in this holy month to say <laughs> we don't want to misspeak. Yeah, we should be case at all times, right? There's this uh, anecdote about an alim who came to a a great mystic, contemporary Shia mystic. And he mentioned to him that uh, I take particular care when I go on the pulpit to ensure that I speak the truth and the ahadith that I you know, mentioned to people have been checked for their veracity and they're completely authentic. Um, and that's why I give my lectures, but where possible, I try and give it after Maghrib, just in case there's something within the speech which is not truthful. <laughs> so the Sheikh obviously tried to, uh, you know, teach him in the most polite fashion that this should be the case at all times, whether you're giving a lecture whilst you're fasting or outside of fasting, your speech should be the truth at all times. But it's nice that we sometimes take more effort to ensure that we understand God is watchful over us in this holy month. So what we look at, what we listen to, the way we speak, we think about it twice. And hopefully we can continue that even after the holy month. That, it's, it's interesting that you say that. It's one of the few things that I found really fascinating about um, the, the acts that invalidate a fast. Um, and, and one of them is kind of you know misquoting a hadith or misquoting the Quran, I believe. Um, intentionally. Intentionally attributing a lie. Intentionally. Yeah, I mean, unintentionally, if somebody misquotes the Quran, you know, they unintentionally did that, or they thought that this hadith is mentioned in this way, or they thought it's from the Prophet and they attributed it to somebody else, or it was mm. a fabricated hadith. But they tried and they felt that this was an authentic hadith. That's different. But this is somebody who intentionally attributes a lie. So for all the uncles and aunties that might be listening that are forwarding WhatsApp messages without verifying, they're okay. Their fast is still valid. Obviously, there's a certain level of beauty that we have. Yeah. Uh, and to the Holy Prophet, his household, to God. And that mm. strive to ensure that this speech is truthful before we share it with other people. If I get a forward and I, it says, Salim has said this, it doesn't sound right. The least I can do is call you and ask you whether or not you actually said this. In the same way, of course, from the Prophet. And it doesn't seem like it sits well with his morality that he has been teaching. Then obviously we need to uh, do a bit more research or ask others who may know or its veracity before we share it. No, hundred percent. Um, so uh, the last last Ramadan, I remember actually we recorded a podcast just before, um, and we were talking about kind of preparing for the month of Ramadan. And I think we released it like on the first day of Ramadan or a around that time, um, and it was I feel like a very different Ramadan to this year. 
um, simply because obviously, you know, the, the, the elephant in the room is that we're all kind of locked down in isolation and we're, 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 we're stuck at home, essentially. Um, and it's been very strange, I think. So we're, we're one week in now. And I think it's been a very strange month for me, at least, because normally, you know, we're going to the mosque every evening, we're meeting people, we're having iftar together, you know, it, there's that very much community spirit. But at least what I've seen on a personal level is that what's been quite nice is that people have been coming every day, random friends, family, whatever, and just dropping off like some dessert or some samosas or something. And, and we're, we're, in our own way, we're having to kind of work with the lockdown and what the situation that we're in and still maintain that kind of community spirit, which I've found very uplifting and nice. And I'm sure other people have similar experiences, but um, I think one of the interesting things and something that we've discussed previously um, off off air uh, is with regards to the isolation element and the fact that from from a spiritual perspective, uh, you know, th there's a lot of emphasis placed on, for example, spending time in the dead of night um, when everybody else is sleeping alone with Allah and everything else. And we kind of have always asked for all of the noise of the outside world to be turned off and to allow us to focus on our religion and our spirituality and and we're almost blessed i would i would argue as muslims from from that perspective that we have not only the chance of of isolation and and you know the the noise from the outside world being switched off but also we're double blessed with the holy month of ramadan as well which is usually our month of like a spiritual boost and rejuvenation um I mean, on a personal level, how have you found this month in isolation, um, as in the month of Ramadan, whilst being in isolation? Firstly, just to pick up on what you said about people dropping off desserts and food, I think we need to double oh, no. whether or not that is uh, encouraged by... Uh, oh, health and safety? Yeah. That's fine. I don't know, actually. That's a very good point. I thought you were going to ask for some dessert from me now. <laughs> That's where I thought this was going, but okay, yeah, no, no, I'll, you're right. We shouldn't endorse that necessarily, um, but I, I assume everything's been made safely. Moving on, travel is <laughs> essential. Okay, moving on from that, I think we're we've been given such a great blessing. Obviously, we know the negatives of the current pandemic, and we pray for it to finish quickly for those who are ill, that they should recover very soon, and those who have passed away, unfortunately, that they be given a lofty station in paradise. However, we also have to look at the benefits of every situation. Whenever God tests us, there's always difficulty in it, but there's a the test, and there's that which we can take away from the test as well. During this trial and test, where clearly people are in difficulty, we can really make the most of it. We have what we have been yearning for and what we've been asking for. We've asked for time and time over and over again. I want time. I want to get out of this rat race. I want to spend Ramadan in doing the things that have been encouraged. Normally we're working, for example, seven to seven, you come back, clearly you're going to be fatigued. You're not going to have the, the ability and the energy to sit down and supplicate to God for lengthy periods of time or to pray to him or sit with your family and recite Quran and dua together collectively it's going to be very minimal time that we have. And I'm sure we've always yearned that you know, if only we had a bit more time or come Saturday or Sunday and anybody who's off, they're able to spend a little bit more time uh, focusing solely on God. Not to say that work isn't obviously for God, but this is solely focusing just on God, not being distracted. And now we have that opportunity. 
all of us who used to give excuses as to why we didn't pray on time, even in the month of Ramadan at work because of meetings and schedules, well, now we're being tested. So was that an excuse that you were giving, Ali Hussein, or was it honestly the truth that you didn't have time at work or were you simply not making time? Here now you have no excuse. You have the time and you have the prayer. Which one's going to be more weightier? Are you going to prioritize God when there's no other distraction around you? Or are you still prioritizing your distractions and your whimsical desires? So I think it's beautiful in that sense that we're testing, mm. learning more about ourselves every day. And as you mentioned, now we have this time to supplicate and spend time with God. We can stay up in the nights. We've always heard the prophet used to stay up in the nights. We used to say it's impractical because we have work tomorrow. And now, you know, only a handful of us really have an excuse. Some of us can work around different timings now, working from home. That hour of, you know, travel has been cut out as well. Yeah. It's interesting with just to pick up on the point you made about Salah. So even I've personally have found during this whole um, quarantine situation that at the beginning I was, um, I would say, less mindful of Salah time and praying on time because I was so used to being so busy in my day. So despite the fact that I was sat, for example, at my computer, I was still like, oh, yeah, I'll just finish up this task and then I'll go. Um, but now, like as a family, I think we've all kind of shifted. And like the last couple of days, we've been trying to pray Jama'ah together in the house because everyone's home, right? There's no excuse not to, right? So for us, um, we, we, we're able to pray two prayers together, which is something that we've literally never done as a family. Um, so it's, it's, it's quite bizarre. But as you said, like I think what's been interesting from my own perspective is being able to, as you said, like assess and look at myself and where my own priorities are when it comes to things like salah, like praying. Um, and and we no longer have the luxury of an excuse to be like, oh, but I've got this meeting and I've got this and I, I don't decide my, my break time and my lunch time. But actually now you do, right? Everyone's working from home. Um, and like on a, on a slightly tangential note, we've been told that, you know, we can't, um, businesses can't survive and function um, unless everyone's in the office but actually there is a there is a way that we can work remotely and and you know uh, whilst the economy has gone in like a very weird direction i think that, that a lot of people are still working and businesses are surviving as i said complete tangent um this is the the ramadan brain of mine that's just taking me in different directions um it's quarantine and lockdown for the majority for the majority in this lockdown the best of humanity has come out mm. the best of people has come to light you know, people self-sacrificing, giving charity, giving money, assisting others, going out of their way. When was the last time you asked your neighbors or sent a mail shot out to people, you you know, in your vicinity to say that if mm. I can help, I'm willing to go shopping for you and things like that. It's never happened, despite the fact that these neighbors have always been next to us. They've always been as old as they have been, you know, as fragile as they have been. But now all of a sudden, the best of humanity has come to life, which is great. But at the same time, you also see individuals who are profiteering. And you can see how there are some people and some souls. We don't want to specifically say it's this person, but you can see the nature of the soul. That sometimes it could happen to our soul as well. All of a sudden, we're so fixated onto this worldly life that we're willing to profiteer on something like a, a, a mask or, I don't know, face shield or body bags or any other PPE equipment that people are selling that we can profiteer on that because we know there's a higher demand. But that mask or that face shield or that apron is going to save people's lives. And that's not coming to the forefront of our eyes, at least for those people who are profiteering. What's coming to the forefront of their eyes is I can make more money now. So in the same way as the best of humanity is coming out, 
the worst of humanity in some cases also coming up but there's a great lesson to realize that our soul can shift between these two extremes to be the best and to be the worst it can do both so we have to be very careful and realize that we're never saved until this final breath that we take this test is going to I, I feel like another very apt example of that is something like um, the NHS and the nurses and doctors and everything else. And uh, I can't remember when exactly the vote was, but the MPs had a vote a while back about raising the, the basic income of nurses, I believe it was, or NHS workers. And, and most of them rejected that. And now every Thursday at eight o'clock, every single MP and every pretty much everyone around the country is getting out on their doorstep to applaud these people for doing their jobs just for doing their jobs but i mean they're doing a fantastic job obviously and i i mean all of the local restaurants in my area when i drive past on my essential um journeys as you you clarified earlier it was really important to say um the all of the restaurants are advertising that there's free meals for nhs staff and and people that have been underpaid and underappreciated for how many years like we you know we all neglected the the important role they play suddenly are like the heroes of our society and rightly so but just like you said, we, we can shift from one extreme to another in, in a blink of an eye. And I think for me, and, and it's been discussed um, on this podcast in the past with a few other guests, I think what's important is that we take lessons from all of this um, and then outside of, inshallah, when this all ends and the pandemic is over, we make adjustments to our quote-unquote normal life that we carry forward. Yeah, um, where are those hedge fund managers now? And where are those company directors who take... And the salaries and dividends that equate to an entire you know year of somebody working in, in a normal job if we can call it that and they're taking that wage or they're making that type of money in seconds and minutes and hours mm -hmm. are they? today they're all isolated right today they are scared to come out and it's those people who are self-sacrificing and who have skill sets to assist humanity at large that are at the forefront of this uh, battle just on that note Salim, you were saying that now that this uh, difficulty has come about, we kind of filtered and shifted our perspective and we realized that we should now appreciate those people who were uh, blinded by us, uh, who we didn't look at and we were shielded from them. We didn't pay attention to their sacrifice. Only when difficulty comes about, do you realize the worth of people. Now take that principle and place it with God and you understand why he puts us through trials and difficulties. Because he's so evident that he becomes invincible. He's so present everywhere that we take him for granted. We take the doctors for granted. We take the, the men and women who come to pick up our rubbish outside our houses for granted. The delivery and the couriers, we're willing to have a go at them if they come late by a few minutes or an hour. We're willing to scold them or you know speak to them in a harsh fashion. But now we appreciate because now difficulty has come about and you filter out what's real and you filter out what really has value to it. In the same way, when we're put through difficulty, that time when we were in ease, we kind of forgot God. He was giving us continuously. We didn't need to ask from him. So he puts us into difficulty. So now we appreciate what we weren't appreciating initially. That was very nice. I, I thought you were going to keep going. <laughs> I was, as, as in, yeah, no, it, it's it's so true that like, I was just thinking as you were talking that, you know, if before, if your your courier, as you said, or delivery person missed a window by like an hour, you'd be like, oh, I had to come home for this. Now, when we have wait times that used to be a day and now up to two weeks, we're just happy to get a parcel. 
Like we don't care. We don't care the state of it. As long as it comes, as long as the guy can chuck it on my door, I don't care. I just want the I want the delivery, right? And and as you said, like that we've we've started to slowly realize what's important and where our priorities are. Um, and I guess that's that's one of the beauties that has come from all of this. And and you know, it, it doesn't diminish from the hardships and and the fact that you know, as you said earlier, people are dying, people are are getting ill, and we're seeing the the impact of that. And and even like from a psychological perspective and an economic perspective, people are going through a lot of struggle. Um, but I, I think it's it's important for us also to, on a individual personal level see how we can grow from this experience not just kind of shrivel up like like a turtle go into our shell wait till it's over and come out like there should be a process of of evolution whilst we're kind of going through this um coming back to talking about uh the holy month of ramadan i know i know we haven't even entered our topic yet oh god go on it has to i think it, it, it's just coming out it's on the tip of my tongue I <laughs> you know you were mentioning right now yeah, we wait for something like prime delivery or something. We expect it next day. It doesn't come next day. We're on chat. We want a five pound credit all of a sudden. You know, I've done it because I know how much credit, you know. <laughs> but then now when it comes even two weeks, even it comes late after the scheduled delivery time, we're so understanding all of a sudden. Yeah. Just because it came, right? I know it's a bit of a stretch, but Rumi says this beautiful line. He says, God, paraphrasing, he says, God, when you tire of praises, then even insults will do from you. So long as it's coming from you, so long as something is coming from you, I'm happy to receive it, whatever it is. It doesn't have to be praised. And the people outside might think it's insults, but I see a reality in what's coming from you. The fact that it's coming from you, it can only be good. And it's indicating to even trials and tribulations here that it's only at ease that people say, God loves me because I'm in ease. Even when I'm in difficulty, I realize that God loves me. Why? Because the difficulty is coming from you. Beautiful. Um, Do I have your permission to talk about Ramadan now? Before we get into that, I need to do Oh my God, another one. No, no, I think it's even more important. My battery is about to die, so I'd better put it on charge. Okay, fine. (laughs) And then I'll come back. All right, cliffhanger. All right, so um, we have your laptop charger, but we're unsure if it's working. Um, but let's let's move on to talking about uh, the holy month of Ramadan. Um, I wanted to start off a little bit trivial, um, and then maybe we can kind of escalate and and get a little bit deeper talking about the Quran and our relationship with God. But I wanted to address a a hadith that I've I've heard um, about sleep, um, and it basically says that you know in the month of Ramadan even sleep is ibadah, even sleep is a form of worship, um, and I've heard it used in jest but i've also heard it used quite seriously where people will be like oh i'm you know i'm going for a nap i'm going to do some ibadah like i'm good it's ramadan you know like let me do my thing because ibadah is ibadah is important and sleep is ibadah therefore it's it's all okay um before we started you said something very interesting um about that um and and then i think also sorry just before I, i i hand over to you i think also the notion of sleep in itself um is a an interesting one because it's it's a month where we do want to stay up at night. A lot of people stay up till Fajr, for example, um, and we're lethargic in the daytime and then in the evenings. We want to do stuff, but we don't have the spiritual energy sometimes. And and like, it's funny that we can stay up and watch movies all night and, and we can be online and whatever and watch Netflix, but then you open the Quran and suddenly like five minutes later, you, your head hits the pillow. 
um but how how do we kind of find that balance and where does sleep kind of feature in in everything when we talk about the holy month of ramadan so it's a good question and i i I hope people don't take it so literally in the sense that they actively try to go to sleep in order to worship god because that would be counterproductive for this most holy month of mercy however um, on the last Friday in Sha'ban, the Prophet has this beautiful sermon, and part of that sermon that is often repeated is where he says, that your breath in this month is glorification of Allah, and your sleep within it is ibadah. The Prophet has said it, and naturally, being the month of mercy, God is showering mercy upon us at all times in every action that we do, so long as it's not. Or prohibited action then obviously the mercy is reduced greatly but it's still there during this time that somebody goes to sleep yes they're being given from the mercy of god but they have to realize that they could be and the potential is there for them to achieve much more he will give us and he will write it as ibadah why because we're fasting we're fasting and after the fast then we're at his mercy as well we're preparing for the next fast so we're continuously in a state of ibadah and even when we go to sleep, he's writing it for us as good actions. <clears throat> Imagine if I told you that yeah, everybody in this room, just stay in this room for the next two hours and everybody's going to get 50 pounds. But for those who want a bit more, and actually those who want as much as they want, just stand on that side of the room for the next two hours and then I'll open the door from there and the first people to come through, whatever they want, I'll give them as much money as they want. It would be logical to say or rational to say that nearly everybody if not everybody would stand on that side of the room for the next two hours give up two hours so that they can get as much as they want if anybody stays sleeping for two hours and they're satisfied with just the 50 pounds you would really think that this person can't think straight and that's what it is in this holy month those people who prefer and want to indulge in sleep in the same way as they used to indulge before this holy month they need to realize that they're missing out on something great, something infinite, an infinite amount of mercy. The doors of mercy are open and those people who actively demand it and seek it will be given it. But those people who don't, they'll simply receive the basic mercy. It's like Arafah. As soon as the sun sets on Arafah, you're forgiven. You can sit the whole of Arafah, you'll be forgiven. But are those people who yearn and seek forgiveness truly, not only are they forgiven, but the effects of their sins can also be taken away. And they can even forget those sins. Because sometimes remembering these sins is obviously detrimental to us as well. So the more you want, the more active you have to be. And, and on that, we, we want to do a lot. And I always find personally that at the beginning of the month, especially it's always the first night or two of Ramadan, like I'm in, I'm, I'm buzzing. Like I, you know, I'm I'm there. I'm reading Quran. I'm doing du'a. I'm like I'm there. I'm in the zone, and then as time goes on, and, and we, we're reaching like the one week mark right now, um, suddenly it becomes more and more difficult. Like the excitement of the holy month has worn off, and it and it becomes um, a bit more routine. And one thing I've always found is that, especially like the last week in in the holy month of Ramadan, I am like seeing out the clock, and and it, it's it's. I, I feel bad saying that, but ultimately, like, I don't have the energy um, spiritually, mentally, whatever to kind of go on. And I think a lot of people suffer from um, fatigue 
in this way and I don't mean physical fatigue but actual kind of spiritual fatigue because it's it's difficult and especially like we've spoken previously I think last year we were talking about how we should be pre- preparing in the months preceding the holy month of Ramadan not that the month comes and we try and do everything like there's a there's a process where we should be kind of nurturing our soul and and getting into that state of doing more so that when the month comes we can make the most of it and I think a lot of people um, remember that advice on the first of Ramadan rather than the first of Rajab um, but you know th- th- that is what it is so how how can we still maximize and and get the most out of the month because as I said we want to do a lot but sometimes we're very limited so a couple of things firstly we have to make sure that we're not simply giving ourselves excuses mm-hmm. we're always good at that is good as that this nafs is good at giving itself its excuses when it comes to worshiping god if i had the same hunger would i be able to watch the rest of the football game or the second half if it's already started if it's a world cup final most definitely i mean it won't even come to me that i'm hungry and if there's a way of getting food without getting off my chair i'll do that otherwise i'm going to sacrifice that food because i'm so immersed in that game again the soul desires that it loves to play and therefore, it doesn't concentrate and get distracted by anything else when it's immersed in its own desires. Here, this soul doesn't like to worship God. It doesn't enjoy it. In this holy month, it's a bit easier and we tend to enjoy it a bit more. But normally, this soul doesn't enjoy it. So a lot of the time, these could be excuses that we're giving one another, or at least ourselves, as to why I don't want to worship or why I'm tired. If it's not that, and if it's actually fatigue. It could be physical fatigue as well. You know, if somebody is working right now, then yes, they can still get quite tired out. Or spiritual fatigue. I mean, spiritual fatigue would come after somebody has been, you know, acting upon certain vigils which are quite intense for their own soul. I don't know if that's uh, just a reason. I don't think you know the weakness of my spirituality. You're you're overestimating me a little bit. No, no, but but genuinely, I I think like like it's everyone has their own different limits when it comes to this kind of stuff, and especially in the month of Ramadan. Um, like I've always been a firm believer in trying to kind of pace myself so I don't overdo it in the beginning, and then I can't maintain that later on. Because yeah, it, it, you're you're not gonna. I'm not saying you'll be spiritually burnt out. Like you're just gonna sleep, you know, all day and just wake up to pray and and have iftar. But I mean, like you, it. it becomes more difficult than than pleasant if you know what i mean i understand especially for example let's take a, a, a lengthy prayer if somebody's sitting down to recite a lengthy supplication then after a short while they're flicking the pages to see when the du'a finish and yeah. if you do that you've already finished the du'a and now your intention is completion rather than speak, speaking to god so I understand when you're reciting something which is lengthy or you're praying salawat and which are lengthy, then obviously this can happen. It's it's not spiritual fatigue in, in my opinion. Um, but anyway, however we want to term it, we have to realize that so long as we're trying our best and I'm honestly trying to do good for God and I'm trying to get closer to God and I have no ulterior motive, then realize that God is pleased with the state that I'm in. All he wants me to do is try it. And if in trying I become tired, then so be it. Because especially in this month, throwing mercy upon us, even whilst we are tired, that type of tiredness, that type of sleep of somebody who has tried so hard and now they're you know, becoming drowsy, 
that type of sleep is obviously that sleep which is given an immense amount of reward in return. Can I share a, a hadith Qudsi with you, which has some link with this? Can I say no? It's your podcast. I think. <laughs> no, go for it, please. Of course. Just your, your beginning, so, right? so courteous in asking, but go on, please. So there's this, you know, hadith Qudsi is where Allah reveals to the heart of the Prophet, it's not Risala, it's not the Sharia, it's not the Quran. And then the Prophet speaks sometimes in his own words about it. So Allah reveals to the Prophet, and I'm paraphrasing now. And the Prophet says that Allah says, there are from my servants those who I know will not reform and perfect their religion unless they're given wealth and ease of sustenance and a good healthy body. And for that reason, I give them these things, but I test them through these things. So I give them wealth, but I test them through their wealth in order to, for example, give wealth and not be attached to it. And through that, they reform their religion. So God is showing that he knows what a servant needs. This servant, if he was given poverty, he might go out of the fold of Islam. So for that reason, or monotheism, for that reason, I give him what will ensure that he remains within the fold of monotheism. Then there are some of my servants who, in order to perfect their religion and complete it and flourish, they require to be given poverty and difficulty in attaining sustenance and illnesses and being taken by illnesses. So I do these three things to them in order to test them and through them they complete and perfect their religion. And then the tradition continues. And Allah says, there are some of my servants who wake up in the night. As you mentioned, the nightly prayer and the nightly supplication is the greatest type of supplication. Some of my servants wake up in the night from the sweetness of their sleep in order to worship me. And as they wake up and as they exert effort to worship me, I make them drowsy. And I make them drowsy and make them fall asleep. Sometimes I do this repeatedly over a number of nights. And when they wake up from that short nap that they take, they get agitated and upset with themselves. And they ask themselves, why did I fall asleep? I wanted to worship God. Now, obviously, this does not refer to the obligatory prayers. It's about the supergatory or the mustahab actions. And then God gives the reason. And he says, I do this because had this servant stood up in the night and completed the prayer that he intended to complete, pride would have found its way into his heart and he would have felt that he has surpassed all of the different worshippers who have ever been created. He would have thought that he's reached great heights. And through this pride that's entered his heart, his actions would have been nullified, would have become corrupted, his soul would have been, corrupt, been corrupted and he would have thought that he's getting closer to me, yet little does he know that he would have been getting more distant from me. So I know my servant and I look after him in this fashion. I am the one, Allah says at the end, I am the one who has named myself Ar-Rahman and Ar-Rahim. That he's given himself the name of Rahman and Ar-Rahman and Ar-Rahim. And this hadith indicates to us how God looks after his servant. Sometimes we stand up to pray, whether it be a supplication or a salah, whatever it may be, and we try and then also become tired. And like you're saying, if I was watching a movie, I would have stayed up and I fall asleep on my sajada, for example. There's nothing wrong in that. The intention was there to complete the prayer. The yeah. fact that I got up from my bed when others are in a slumber sleep indicates to God that I love him and I want to be given from his choices mercies. I want to be praised, but not by people. I want to be praised just by God.
just between me and God. When he praises, that means that he loves me. And he loves me more than he loves anybody else. I want to be the most loved. You'll never become the most loved. The Prophet will always be the most loved. But you're aiming to be, get to a stage where you believe and feel as if you are the only creation of God. That he's paying so much attention to you that you don't feel he's paying attention to anybody else. That's how much mercy you see from him and you witness from him. It's not to say that you have pride within yourself and you think I, God loves me more than that person. But you want to feel that intense love that's coming from God. I think that intensity, I mean, firstly, thank you. That hadith was, was beautiful and very, uh, it just shows, I guess, like, like we, especially when, you, when it comes to thinking about when we're trying to do extra and it doesn't happen, um, the fact that God is kind of looking out for us almost in the sense that he obviously knows that this would fill us with pride and so keeps us away from it. Um, it, it it's it's something to be said about us having an appreciation for for God's um, for Allah's mercy and 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 wisdom when it comes to how he treats us and, and, and the plan that he has for us and how we don't always understand why things are happening but we need to kind of have an element of faith and embrace that fact and just ultimately what it comes down to as you mentioned is intention if you if you have the intention to do something um, and for whatever reason you can't know that there might be a reason as to why you weren't able to um but yeah I, I think the the second half of what you were saying was also really important um and, and interesting because the the relationship side of things when it comes to Allah and how we can uh, grow and develop that um, after the holy month of Ramadan, do you have any a, any tips? Because, like you know, from from a personal perspective, I've always found that there are times when I'm reading stuff and I'm kind of, as I mentioned earlier, like in the zone, and and I, I can feel God's presence if that makes sense. But then there are other times where I'm reading something and it's just empty words. Like you know, it says Allah is the most merciful, the most benign. I'm like, yeah, okay, I know this, and like, but you don't really feel that. Um, and 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 we always have this kind of fluctuation in like levels of um, connectivity, let's say, um, with God. How how do you think we can kind of um, improve that relationship and, and nurture that? The aim is to facilitate for this heart to become bewildered by God, so that it sees only good from Him and it becomes attracted to Him. That's not going to come easy, and I I don't want it to sound like a cliche, but we know what we have to do. You know, we already know what needs to be done to get to where we want to get to. This is not like us starting a new business where it's completely unknown to us and we have to start researching from scratch and asking other people and then taking a gamble or a calculated risk in what we're going to buy and sell and things like that. It's yeah. already a mapped out path. It's been taken and trodden and ridden upon by people who have already told us how to reach the goal that we're trying to get to a prophet his family other uh, scholars good individuals and believers they've all done this and we know how to get there so yes we have to purify this heart yes we know what is right within us what is wrong we know our virtues our vices we know where we're weak and we know where we're strong simple thing simple things like even in this holy month, if I see my anger is coming out at different times, I should know where to curtail, how to curtail it. I should know how to hold it back. If I realize that I'm an individual who is so animalistic that just before I break my fast, 
I recite this dua, Allahumma laka sumtu, Allah, I fasted for you, and with your sustenance, I break my fast, and upon you I rely, the famous prayer that we recite before we break our fast. Isn't it interesting how this servant who has fasted the whole day remembers God just before he breaks his fast, but then forgets God as he's breaking his fast. So once I'm holding that date in my hand, you know, it's most to have to break your fast with something sweet. I know many people in our culture break it with salt or something like that, but it's recommended to break it with something sweet. So holding that date in my hand, I remember God as I'm looking at this sustenance that's been given to me by God. But then the test is not now, because now it's easy to remember God. I'm still fasting. The difficulty is when that which was haram now becomes halal. Now it's halal for me and permissible for me to break my fast and eat. And at that time when I'm indulging in my animalistic desires, when I am tasting sweetness that I have been prevented from tasting for the past X number of hours, is that sweetness greater or the remembrance of God greater? Which one is more sweeter to me? If it's the date, then you'll realize that as I'm eating that date, all I'm doing is I'm absolutely immersed in its flavors and I forget God totally. And I'm quickly filling my plate to start eating more. And then again, I'll remember him at the end of iftar when I'm going to complain that I've eaten too much. And that's the time I'm going to say Alhamdulillah. But during that process, you can realize, are you animalistic or godly? Do you indulge in desires such that you forget God? Or do you take from what he's given you whilst remembering him? We can look at small things. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say almost, <clears throat> it, it's almost like for that very reason that it's recommended to have something sweet. Obviously, I don't know, but it just, it makes sense that your, your God is almost juxtaposing for us the sweetness of his worship versus the sweetness of the dunya. That's how you should have phrased it. You're smiling because you know that was brilliant. <laughs> but no, ge ge genuinely, like it's, it's, it's fascinating to think about that. Um, it, that that's, that's what it is, right? Like you're, you're. And and we you mentioned this point to me a, a week or so ago, or maybe it was a couple of days ago, where you were talking about you know it's easy to remember God when you when you break your fast and you're reciting a du'a, but then after that is when you're indulging and, and and it's so true that we we we're completely we've we've prayed our salah by that point and we're just we're eating and we're indulging and and you you almost think all right let me take a break from thinking about God and then maybe. After I'm finished eating, I'll have I'll recite some Quran and I'll do whatever. Um, but that is ultimately the challenge, right? I think I should do a podcast with you, Sam. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I'm I'm available for for my um, my wisdom anytime. No, but like that was just me rephrasing what you said. No, it's it's beautiful. That yes, the reason it may be the reason why something sweet is recommended to test us. If we had something Oh, so you hadn't you hadn't thought about this before. And not in the way that you mentioned it, no. Wow. Okay, so you can take that and use that, but just credit me whenever you do. Imagine if we had to credit everything the prophet said. We'll just be saying <laughs> the prophet said. Oh, I say. <laughs> that is what people do, no? Anyway, okay, let's 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 um Let's move on before um, my pride gets the better of me. But yeah, if um, something sour, it might be easy to remember God because maybe <laughs> remembering Him would be easier than <laughs> sour things in my mouth. But yes, if it's something sweet in the mouth and something sweet to the taste buds, then yeah. that is the, the test between sweetness of dunya against sweetness of 
God's worship. I like that. Keep, keep practicing. You'll get there. Next time you do, it will be better. Um, <laughs> so the 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 final thing. We have a book of things that we want to say. These lines pre-rehearsed. <laughs> I thought you guys do. No, you must have a book. Uh, no, sorry, not like that. All right, fine. Um, yeah, the, the the last thing I think that that we wanted to kind of speak about briefly. Maybe I should do the talking, and you can just ask me the questions. Yeah. But um, it was on it was on the the Holy Quran itself, um, and like obviously we always talk about the month of Ramadan being the month of the Quran. Um, it sounds like a weird question, but what's so special about the Quran? So if we refer to just a couple of verses in the Quran, uh, just to indicate to us, you know, what? It, that, that doesn't actually make rational sense, right? We can't prove the benefit of the Quran from the Quran. I was about to call you out on that, but I thought you'd tell me off if I did. Yeah, we, we need to prove the veracity and the benefit of something using external sources. Using external, yeah, of course. So using just our intellect then, firstly, we realize that God has a duty after creating us if he's most perfect and he's created the imperfect the requirement is obviously for the imperfect to get perfection in their capacity mm -hmm. Either the imperfect will become more imperfect which clearly is not good and if he is perfect then he can only be good so he can only intend and want good or it's for the imperfect to become perfect and that's obviously good and that's the method in, and the channel in which we're all moving or the path on which we're all treading so he wants us to become good. In order for us to become good, uh, we are at his mercy and therefore he has to guide. And the method in which he guides according to Abrahamic religions would have been through uh, saints and through prophets who have been sent down. Other religions would also talk about saints and mystics, but we believe obviously prophets. He has to send some sort of guide whether that be in a physical form or a spiritual form or something. So someone, people will say, well, this is the fitra and this is the inner calling that God is calling us to. Others will say, no, he has to send a human guide, not just an angelic guide. It has to be a human guide because we have to be able to understand how a human needs to react in these situations. We need to see it for ourselves. What's the point of just giving us theory? Because then we'll turn around and tell God, well, this is just theory that you're telling us. <clears throat> or this is just inspiration in my heart. How do I know if this is not my imagination how do i not know that this is celestial beings like jinn and ghosts or whatever you want to term them as <clears throat> so clearly there has to be a physical form somebody who is like me that i can look towards them and say they too are human and they're able to accomplish this so i too must be able to uh, act in the same manner as they did so we can conclude that he has to have sent human guides in order for it to be a perfect type of guidance and that's why we'll say that he sent down prophets in order to guide us. <clears throat> Once the prophets pass away, there has to be something that is left back. Their actions were there. Agreed. But there has to be something from God that continues. It can't be that God has only been speaking to us for a temporary period of time. And it's through the words of the prophet, obviously through the mouth of the prophet. And as soon as the prophet ceases to exist, he passes away. Then God no longer speaks to his creation anymore. That would be unjust as well. There has to be guidance continuously coming down, revelation coming down, the speech of God coming down continuously. Interesting hadith that we have. A man asks uh, one of the family of the Holy Prophet, 
about the Quran. And the Imam replies back and he says that it is not a creation of God, neither is it a creator, but rather it's the action of the creator. So an action of God is a continuous action. Mm. When we say God is the creator, he is continuously creating. He doesn't create and then stop creating. It's a continuous creation. The act of creating is continuous. In the same way, his speech is continuous. So this Quran, when you open it, it's not that God spoke this 1400 years ago and he's no longer speaking it because then his action would have stopped it. Then he's no longer speaking. But he's infinite. So his actions are continuously. He's continuously acting his actions. For that reason, when you open the Quran, it is the continuous speech of God. He's revealing it at this moment, right now. It's not that it was revealed. And that's why we say it has layers upon layers. It's it's something that you can go to right now and understand something from. After 10 days, you'll come back to it. You'll understand something different. First point. Second point, Allah mentions in the Quran as well, that when you listen to this Quran, I'll try and get the verse for you here in Surah Al-A'raf. And when the Quran is recited, then listen to it and be silent. Maybe you will be given mercy. But Allah says, listen to it and be silent. Because this is revelation that's coming down to you right now. You cannot be distracted from the word of God. If the Prophet is here speaking to us right now, we're not going to be distracted by something else. And if above his hadith, he was saying the speech of God, then we would be even more fo focused. Allah said, there's no difference right now that I'm revealing this Quran to you right now as well. My speech is continuous. So be so listen to it, being paid absolute attention to it and be silent. Don't try and speak over me. Don't try and say something else if you're listening to the Quran. Obviously, if you're reciting the Quran, then it's something different. So this is the month of the Quran. This is the month that we believe in this book the book, this book of guidance was revealed to the heart of the Prophet, not in book form. The Quran is clear that we revealed it to your heart, meaning the most perfect place of a human being will be the place in which the most perfect book came down or the speech of God came down, not his intellect even, but to his heart. If we can purify this heart in this holy month whilst reciting and through reciting this Quran and through contemplating upon it and acting upon it, then naturally we will be individuals who are changed by the end of Ramadan and we'll be, we'll, we will have the right to celebrate Eid, the day of returning, the day of returning back to God will only be for those people who have purified their own souls. So yes, we can benefit from this Quran by reading it. It says within the Quran that it is a, a source of shifa, a source of, um, of cure for different ailments and a source of mercy for the mu'mineen. When we say ailments, obviously the greatest diseases and illnesses are those of the soul. I don't doubt that there might be some sort of cure in the Quran for different physical illness, illnesses as well. But here we're mainly referring to spiritual illnesses and those of the heart. Those are the ones that we need to rid ourselves of in order to be blissful in this life and the next. So the Quran talks about itself. It talks about how it's uh, the word of God, how it's being revealed how it's a source of shifa, how it's something that is, it has clarity and clarifies everything within it. It's furqan, it's a criterion as well. Now, how do we access it? The way in which we access the Quran is obviously not simply by reading it. It's by studying it. 
Can, can, sorry, can I can I just jump in here because this is what I was actually going to ask you about, um, maybe as as the final kind of point for discussion, because I I feel like this is the, the access point is the most difficult bit when that, when I think about it, because I see kind of three, and I was going to ask you a very binary question, not expecting a binary response, but I see it as, and ironically, binary is two, but I'm giving you three options here: reading in English, reading like in Arabic, just as much as possible, or reading one verse in Arabic with tafsir and with, um, you know, meaning and, and pondering on it, which of the three is preferential? How how can we get the most from the Holy Quran um, of those three? So Salim, Allah says in the Quran, as I was uh, mentioning, I just brought up the reference here for you, your listeners. So it's Surah Al-Nahl 1689. Allah says to the Holy Prophet that this Quran has been sent down as a book which clarifies all things and as a guidance and mercy for the believers, for the Muslimin, and a source of bushra, uh, of glad tidings for the Muslimin. So everything is, if we accept the word of the Quran and we accept it as the word of God, then everything is mentioned in the Quran. Everything that you need in order to become perfect, is mentioned in the Quran. Now, if I tell you, Salim, this book is going to assist you in starting your business, and you will ensure that your business becomes successful if you adhere to this book. It has all the Abyssinian principles. Now, I can't say that word without, without laughing. We'll continue. So, so for context, we had to cut because someone walked in behind my camera. Um, and and I, I, when we were in between, he said he's mentioned ABC Darian principles the first time, and I, I called him out on it as being a word that I didn't think he would know because I've never heard of it. Um, but carry on, please. Thank you so highly. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, these principles if I tell you that this book has all the principles that you require in order to make sure that your business flourishes and is successful, you're not simply going to skim read it. If it's in another language, what are you going to do? You're going to make sure you translate it, have it translated, access a translation. You'll access multiple translations to see if the translators have got something wrong and mistranslated things. You'll go back to the first edition because you want to read it as the author intended, not be, by people revising. And we believe that this Quran hasn't been revised. It hasn't been edited. But words that we understand in Arabic today could have meant something else at that time. So we want to understand the context as well of when this revelation took place, why it took place, what is the reasoning behind it, what God intends people in this Quran. He indicates, for example, to the wives of the Prophet or you too, or he says, you all wives. We want to know who is he speaking to, why is he speaking to them in this fashion? Not simply a cursory reading. That's not going to happen, one, by reading the Quran in Arabic if we don't understand Arabic. So it firstly highlights the need for us as Muslims specifically to learn the language of the Quran, the language that Allah has chosen above all others, Arabic. Secondly, if it's in English, we have to realize that it's now secondary. It's like a secondary source, right? Because it's not exactly what is meant in the Quran because translation always loses something within it. So the best way to do it is obviously to read the tafsir of the Quran because tafsir, even in its translation, will indicate to you what is meant by these verses. So to study the Qur'an has much more benefit than to simply read. This doesn't mean that reading doesn't have benefit. Reading has benefit, 
and it has its time and its place and it should be done regularly. But studying is where the emphasis is in order to access everything that is within this Quran. That Prophet says it has layers upon layers. And there's an interesting hadith that says, how many recite of the Quran recited yet the Quran curses them. Why would the Quran curse? Because we take from it, we understand it, but we don't act upon it. So then it's going to be a witness against us on the day of judgment that you were taught X and Y. You knew that this was wrong or you knew you had to perfect yourself and change your anger and change your uh, jealousy, whatever it may have been, but you didn't act upon it. So then it's going to be a witness against us. I'll share one hadith with you. This is from the Prophet, peace be upon him. He's speaking to Ma'ad. It says, Ya Ma'ad or Ma'ad, in Aradta if you want to live a life of those who are in bliss and happy, and if you want to die the death of a shaheed, of a martyr, whose sins are obviously all forgiven, we don't have wars right now that we should go and become martyrs. So he's indicating as well for us over here that we want the benefit of somebody who dies without any sins. What should we do? One najat al-hashar, and on the day of judgment, if you want to be successful, and if you want safety on the day where people are going to be in fear, and if you want light on the day where there'll only be darkness, and you want a shadow on the day where it'll be extremely hot, and you want water and to be satiated on the day when people will be thirsty, and on the day where people's scales will be light, you want weight on your pans, and you want guidance on the day on which people will be misguided. If you want all of this, the Prophet says, Fadrus al-Qur'an, then study the Qur'an. He could have said any other action. He could have said, read the Qur'an. He could have said, you know, read a verse of the Qur'an or read it in your language. He didn't say any of that. He has studied the Qur'an. فَإِنَّهُ ذِكْرُ Rahman, Because it's a remembrance of the All-Merciful. وَحِرُزٌ مِّنَ الشَّيْطَانِ It's a protection from shaitan. It's that which would be more weightier on the Day of Judgment. Even those traditions that you know that as you enter Jannah, the levels of Jannah are going to be equated to the verse of Qur'an. But verses, not meaning these physical verses. Because as soon as you recite, you get told, recite and elevate. And the more you recite, even if it's the same verse, but you recite it again and again, you can still keep going higher and higher. Because every time you recite it, it's a different personification of that verse within you. You've understood it in a different way. You've learned from it in a different way. And hence we say that there are infinite layers in Jannah and stations in the same way there are infinite layers within this Qur'an. A lot of what I said obviously requires a certain belief in the Qur'an. We don't have the time at hand to, to look at the Qur'an from a third-party angle solely in order to try and establish it so that we can build upon it. But I think your listeners will understand what we're, what we're trying to get to. Maybe next time we can take an ABC Darian approach at um, understanding the Qur'an. From th- Did I use it right? Is that, was that correct? That is correct. Okay, yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> understanding the Quran from third-party sources, but no, um, I'm, I'm. Thank you, thank you very much for for all of this. We've had quite a, I want to say, tumultuous time at recording this. The beginning, we had about four takes at doing the salam because I kept messing up somehow, um, and then your battery on your laptop ran out. Um, we've had people walking into the room a couple of times as well on my end. Um, but thank you for for sticking with it all, and and I'm glad that your battery didn't die when when um, when that happened because there's been a lot to reflect on. I think, and it's 
it's really important i think we should we should definitely try and do this every ramadan me and you uh i have a lot of fun just teasing you every now and then about words that you're using and everything else um and the background that you've got going on but it's it, there's also a lot that you are able to benefit from me like the um the thing about the dates i'm going to remember that <laughs> you can as i said write that one down in your book but no um thank you very much one thing we should mention here whenever we hear something good it's not so that we it's a reminder to myself especially people who are lecturing and speaking it's a reminder to me but you're saying it's a reminder to yourself honestly it, it's uh, i remember once in, when we were in the seminary and somebody came across a tradition and so i better write this down so i can use it later on this is guidance for us firstly and foremost of course as soon as we hear guidance we think where can who can i tell or which lecture yeah, yeah. and then it's like that individual who started the prayer and is looking at how many pages left the guidance did nothing to him the prayer is finished now guidance firstly has to be taken in our heart acted upon and then it'll come out in a sincere fashion I'm basically saying I eat too much. It would be pretty good for you, don't worry. So. <laughs> uh, but no, no, genuinely, thank you very much. Uh, it's always a it's always a pleasure having these conversations with you. Um, and inshallah, we get to do many more. And inshallah, the next time we're able to do this face-to-face rather than over a, a Zoom call. Um, yeah, that's that's everything. How, how, do I, how do I sign off without you getting annoyed at me? Salam. <laughs> Goodbye, Sheikh. Take care. Farewell. But uh, we pray, inshallah, that this uh, pandemic and this difficulty that we're in right now, that we come through it very quickly. It's taken away from us. That those who are ill, once again, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to cure them quickly. Those who have passed away, that they're given a lofty station in heaven. And those who have had family members and loved ones who have left this world so suddenly, may God give them patience to bear this loss. Amen. We inshallah remind ourselves to pray for each other in this holy month. You know, I know it's just begun for some, but I'm sure for all of us, by the time the last few days come, we'll all be complaining that we didn't make the most of it, which is good. If anybody at the end of Ramadan sits back with a sigh of relief that it's over and thinks that they've done enough, then I think for those people that maybe, maybe they were sleeping a bit too much in this holy month. <laughs> Thank you very much, Sheikh. Thank you, Salih. Take care. So that was my conversation with Sheikh Ali Hussain. Um, always a pleasure to have him on the podcast, and um, I always enjoy the conversations I have with him. And um, I hope you guys do too. Uh, I, I always say that sometimes it's a bit difficult to to gauge the response to these things. We've been getting more emails um, lately, which has been quite nice, just about people who have listened to our content and given us feedback and let us know what kind of content they want more of. And that's really, really important. So um, for anyone that's listening, please do get in touch um, by email. So my email address is salim at themuslimvibe.com um, or editor at themuslimvibe.com. And, and genuinely, you know, let us know what kind of content you want us as a team to be able to produce for you guys and and inshallah we can deliver that that's that's why we're it's what we're here for essentially um and i guess on that note as well i've I've mentioned this on pretty much every other podcast um but you know with regards to the muslim vibe generally uh we are dependent on donations and advertising um and we were due to launch a big crowdfunding campaign which we've had to put on hold so if people are 
so if people are willing and able to donate even a small amount per month it would really go a long way um, in, in being able to help us grow and develop and create more content ultimately you know we want to be in a position where we have more and more staff that are, are working full-time at creating content and a wide variety of content um, for, for, for you for um, you know for Muslims in the West generally uh, and, and as I said like we, ha we had a message on on Instagram the other day and it was a sister out in France and she was just appreciating the the space and the void that the Muslim vibe fills because they don't have spaces like that especially in France where you know the the situation out there when it comes to religion and the hijab is is quite um, precarious I think it's 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 quite nice for us to be able to see that the content that we're producing is able to reach Muslims out there and and have the the desired impact in kind of making them think and and there was one thing as well that someone actually mentioned to me recently a revert um sister who who's written for us in the past and she, she was saying that the muslim vibe filled a kind of void in terms of a community or an ummah that she um lacked so when it came to finding because you know we've discussed this in the past on the podcast how our centers are very ethnocentric at times and you know we're not welcoming necessarily to others but islam is a beautiful and welcoming religion she found that through the muslim vibe there was the capability for people to come together to congregate and to share ideas and um and and feel a part of a community of like young muslims from around the world um, who who were just out there exploring their identity and shaping the narrative, combating Islamophobia and everything else. So um, yeah, that's my my long sell, I guess, of why you should support the Muslim vibe. Um, you know, any amount, as much as or, or as little as um, five or ten pound a month would would genuinely go so far in terms of being able to help us um, grow the team and and produce more content. Right now, for example, we're we're using more um, freelancers for content production um, when it comes to video and things like that. But we want to be able to hire in a second video producer so that we are double the output um, and and just creating more fantastic content. And, and, you know, with the content as well, it's about getting across a particular narrative and, and starting a conversation and um, being able to help try and steer the community in a in a positive direction um anyways i'm i'm, I'm getting into ramble mode now uh, i apologize for that thank you guys very much for listening please do subscribe um if you're not already subscribed and tell your friends and do share this episode with your family as well and friends um if you found it productive and i hope the remainder of the holy month of ramadan is a blessed one for you and inshallah we'll be back next week with another great podcast Stay tuned. Stay safe, guys. Salam.